Let's pray together. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart from the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all of your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord. Every day I call to you. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the in the grave? Your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you, Lord, for help. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me, friend and neighbor. And darkness is my closest friend. Father, as you have just read here in Psalm 88, we get a taste and a glimpse of what it was like for you, especially during this season, the land that we are in, Lord. Help us to be in a time of reflection, to know your heart, and to know you in your suffering, O oh Lord. To know you in your death and your resurrection. So that God, we may rise up from the sin that we are so full in a place where in a place we're so used to being in our filth, oh God. Help us to humble ourselves and repent today and turn to you, God, with thanksgiving and with humility, oh Lord. Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for this church and for every member, for each of their roles and everything that they do the praise team, the committee heads. Lord, I just want to thank you from the youngest to the oldest. Lord, I just want to honor you today. As a church, we want to come together, united as one, to worship you and to hear your word. I pray, God, now as you transition to the message, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts for those who are listening, May they not just listen with their ears, but let us soak down from their mind to their heart and let it be a transformed life a life that is renewed, that is sanctified, that has been justified by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We surrender ourselves to you. We love you. We thank you. Take all the glory and honor. We pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. All right, God bless you guys. Let's all take our seats. Uh, let's take a moment to greet one another. Uh, very excited to be here, to see all of you here today. Uh, we're going to be continuing on with our Lent series, with the Embrace series, Embrace the. And we're going to continue, and today's title, today's message is called Embrace the Betrayal. Embrace the Betrayal. We went over on Thursday a little bit of understanding, and we will not fully understand what Jesus Christ went through. 
But we can get a glimpse and an idea of what Christ went through by reading Psalm 88, by looking through the scriptures of the things that Jesus Christ had to go through in his life. In his years of earth, living here on earth for 30 years, we see that his life was not a life of royalty. Even though he was of royalty, he chose a humble life. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. God becoming man to die on this earth, to live on this earth with humility and to die for our sins. And in the prayer, we ended with verse 18 earlier. We ended with, you have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. You could imagine Jesus that at that moment when he was betrayed, when he was deserted and with all of his friends that fled, they were no longer next to him on his side. And he says, darkness is my closest friend. You have taken from me, friend and neighbor. So with that, let's go to our main text found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 to 56. It's a little bit long, but please bear with me. And let's read the story together. Starting with verse 6, it says this. Again, it's Matthew chapter 26. It says, While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Verse 14, the title says, Judas agrees to betray Jesus. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand them over. Verse 17, the title is The Last Supper. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. 
It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Verse 31, the title says, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Verse 36, title is Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, Watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, Watch and pray. Verse 42, he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Verse 47, the title says, Jesus arrested. And we're closing with this. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrested. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of his high priest, high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then 
Will the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. And can we read the last sentence together? Ready? One, two, three. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. This is very close to Psalm 88 in verse 18, where it says, Darkness is my closest friend. And we see here the same thing. Then all of his friends, all the people that he trusted, had deserted him and had fled and left him. And the key word here, we see in the emotion of Jesus, in his humanity, in the humanity of Jesus, we see the word sorrowful. He was sorrow to the point of death. He was troubled. He was anguished. The word anguished, which means extreme pain, distress, anxiety, to suffer, to feel torment. It's an agonizing physical and emotional and mental pain. Sorrow to the point of death. Sorrowful. He was troubled. And he was anguished. And we see here that Jesus, he could not detach himself from his humanity. From, the, from his humanity, from his humanness. The emotions that came with being a human being. Fully God and fully man. Verse 38, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He's begging his friends, his disciples, stay here. Stay here and keep watch with me. The desperation of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, the emotions of Jesus. Verse 48, now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man and arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Then the man stepped forward and seized Jesus and arrested him. In that moment, the person he had trusted, Judas, one of the twelve, one of the original disciples. And if you just read just that part, the one I kiss is the man. It's a nice sentence. Greetings, Rabbi, and kiss him. If you just read that, if you take that sentence out of the scripture and you read, oh, wow, what a nice guy. He's showing respect. He's showing reverence. Greetings, Rabbi. He's calling by his title. He respects him by his title. He kissed him. But we see that if we continue reading verse 50, what does it say? It says in verse 48 through 50, it says he came not to love him, but to what? To betray him. Knowing that he was sending Jesus to the den of lions. Knowing that Jesus would be crucified. And that he'll be killed. He goes ahead and kisses him. The kiss of betrayal. In verse 56 we see. Then all the disciples deserted. And fled. They all left him. And he was left all alone. Starting with point number one. Betrayal creeps in. With questioning. Betrayal creeps in. With questioning. Verse 8. Again, our main passage is found in Matthew 26. So verse 8, it says, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. They were outraged. They were annoyed. 
They're like, why? Why this waste? They asked. Remember, this is a story of the alabaster jar. In other versions, it tells us that Judas questioned. Judas asked, why? Why this waste? This money, this perfume could have been sold for a lot of money, and it could have been used for the poor. And we see right here that the disciples here already, they were beginning to question, questioning everything, becoming a skeptic, complaining, meaning, does God really want the best for me? Things like, I will become like God, the biggest lie of Adam and Eve with the serpent, with the devil, or the Tower of Babel, to become like God. Does God really want the best for me? Yes, of course, God wants the best for you. I share on Thursday that yes, relatively, still pretty young in this ministry. Physically, yes, but mentally, no. Not young to the game, because I've been doing this for a long time where I've gone through and you guys have witnessed and things and seen with members leaving the church. And for me, and I could stand here confidently and say before God, that I am confident before God that I did everything I could. I could stand before God and know that everything that I did, I did it with my heart. Why? Because I know before God, even in my own time, even when I'm alone, I know that I've given everything that I could. And if I could go back and do it again, I would do the same thing exactly the same way. It's all about growing and maturing. There's a way to leave with blessing, and there's a way to leave with cursing. The betrayal creeps in with questioning. Blessing, you leave with a blessing with prayer. When you leave with betraying, you end up cursing and you end up hurting a lot of people. And every single one of us, you must check ourselves, check our hearts today. Are we questioning? The questioning, being a skeptic, is it creeping in into our hearts? Betrayal creeps in with questioning. Point number two. Betrayal is partnered with self-centeredness. Betrayal is partnered with self-centeredness. When I say self-centeredness, I'm talking about self-service, self-interest, selfishness. I'm talking about pride. We see here that Judas, he placed himself first before his friends. Judas here, we see he placed money before his friends, before his Messiah, his King, and his Lord. We see here in verse 15 and 16, and ask, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand them over. But we see that Jesus, he was the exact opposite of Judas. He placed himself not as a sinner, but he placed others before himself. He went, he says, what are you willing to give me behind the scenes? He, they counted them from 30 pieces of silver, and Judas watched for an opportunity to hand them over. Verse 39 and 40, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. This is, this is Jesus. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as what? As you will. 
He's putting God first. Verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. We see here the difference in Jesus and the disciples. Jesus is putting others before himself, but the disciples here, they put themselves first. They're putting their sleep and their tiredness before the actual event, before their Messiah. They're not awake. They're sleeping. Jesus says, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will, God. And scripture is very clear about not putting ourselves first. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 8 tells us, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather what? In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing but taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and even death on a cross. Betrayal is partnered with self-centeredness. Stop putting yourself as a center of life. The center of everything. Putting yourself on a pedestal. Thinking that you are so great. If you are so great, there is no need for God. Because you are amazing. And you are able to save yourself. But praise be to God that I am broken. That I am weak. But he is perfect. And he is my savior and my lord. Starting from Adam and Eve, from the beginning, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You'll be like God or the Tower of Babel, as I mentioned earlier. It's a battle between, is God the center of my life? Or am I the center of my own life and my destiny? I pray that your life will come second, but God will come first in your life. Number one. Point number three. Betrayal is rooted in denial. Verse 25, then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Yes, he's talking about you. How is he this blind? Did he forget what just happened? Did Judas forget what just happened? He was literally with the chief priest behind the scenes, in the background. The enemy of Jesus Christ. Enemy of his friends. The ones who have been tormenting them, the group, the disciples. How blind and deaf Judas was. Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Betrayal is rooted in denial. Too blinded by their pride. Are we blind today? Are we in denial? Point number four. Betrayal is assisted by chatter. Chatter meaning gossip. Not in the open, always in the hiding. 
Watch what comes out of your mouths. Verse 14. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest. Again, these are the enemies of Jesus. And I'm pretty sure that it didn't just happen according. There were some details that were left out. He went. I'm sure there were more conversations, more things that happened as Judas spoke and shared a lot of things that he shouldn't have, said things that he shouldn't have. Because we see here that it says he went to the chief priest and then they offered him 30 pieces of silver and then he agreed and he looked for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. We see here that betrayal is assisted by chatter, by gossip that happens in the background. And one of the quickest ways a church will get destroyed is gossip within the church. If you cannot protect your church within the church, then that gossip will go outside of the church and then outside, and we see it all the time happening with churches everywhere. Do you know about that church, that church, this and this and this and that? And there is no such thing as a water seal gossip. All talk, all gossip will eventually leak and it will be revealed. And Koreans are notorious for gossip. Just go during the day, any cafe, sit nearby a group of Korean ladies. Church this, teacher that. Pastor this, pastor that. Chatter, chatter, gossiping behind someone's back, but cannot say in front of them. We cannot be such cowards that we feel the need to talk behind someone's back but cannot say in front of the individual. And Judas had the audacity to turn to Jesus and say, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. When God, he knows our hearts, our thoughts, our everything. And as Christian men and women of God, this should not be. So the question what do we do when we encounter gossip, when we encounter chattering? Letter A, you walk away. Walk away. Easiest way. Better to offend them than to entertain, which leads to point number B, do not entertain. Do not entertain it. And if they're adamant in continuing their chatter, let us see, you call them out. Call them out on the gossip. Letter D, you point them out. Point them to talk to that person, not behind them. That's why as a church, we follow the motto of Matthew 18, where it it's the part with uh, verse, tw verse 20, if you guys remember, when usually churches, when they gather and they come together and they say, they reference this passage in verse 20, 18, uh, chapter 18, verse 20, where with, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them, but they're taking that out of context. Really what that's talking about is talking about discipline, right? When there's correction that happens, it says in verse 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Good. 
But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, you tell it to the church. You bring it to the leaders or the pastor, to the elders. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, what does it say? Let's all read that together. Ready? One, two, three. Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Meaning you treat them like an unbeliever. Because a believer will repent, will admit of their sins. Their pride will be destroyed and they will humble themselves. But an unbeliever, for those, for their hearts who have become too hardened, you will continue in your own way, in your own path. And that is a dangerous path. Point them out. Letter E, last whole point, counter with the word of God. With the word of God, you present facts and truths, not emotions, not feelings. Yes, feelings and emotions are important, but they're not facts and truths. Just like we don't say, oh, I don't feel like reading the Bible because I don't feel like it. We read because we do it, because it's the truth. It's the word of life. It's what gives me food and energy. It's my everything. It's the air that I breathe. You present facts and truths and you do not entertain the negative emotions. Again, walk away. Do not entertain. Call them out. Point them out. Counter with the word of God. Amen. Point number five. The ultimate betrayal comes with a kiss with a kiss. When I say the kiss of betrayal, I'm saying it comes from the closest to you, from those closest. The greatest betrayal is a kiss of betrayal. Why? Because the greatest hurt comes from someone you love. Because the kiss of betrayal can only come from someone you had once trusted, from someone you were once close to. And we see here in the story, in the dialogue, and the relationship between Jesus and Judas. Verse 21 to 23. While they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. What is it saying here? The one that you ate with, the one you laugh with, the one you fellowship with. All the memories and everything, and we see Jesus. He's finally, his end, his time on earth is coming to an end. His relationship with his disciples is coming to an end. I'm talking about his earthly relationship is coming to an end. The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. And then we see in verse 48, now the betrayer had arranged the signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. That sounds nice. But he goes on and he says, and he finishes the sentence, he says, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. That sounds pleasant. That was a nice thing for him to do. Greetings, Rabbi. He's respecting him, respecting his title. Greetings. He kissed him. But it was a kiss of betrayal. 
It was in a kiss of love. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. What's amazing here, Jesus still calls Judas his friend. So leading to point number six, and it's a question. How do I tackle betrayal in my life? How do I tackle betrayal? Letter A, you accept gracefully. Accept it. You look to God, for God is your avenger and everything's going to be okay. And unfortunately, we see Judas, he kills himself. And he ends his life later, we learn in this story. And it was an unfortunate story of how it concluded. But again, how do I tackle betrayal? You accept it, accept gracefully, as Jesus did. Let it be. Truth always. Truth always. Let us see. Bitter never. Bitter never. Let her D. Forgive always. Forgive always. Let her E. Fight evil with good. Fight evil with good. Do you guys remember what was the passage? We went over cues to memorize. Like Psalm, what was it? Psalm, think about Palisades Park. What? Par Park, right? Par Park. Par Park. So Psalm 88. And then also, what, how, what's Romans? Romans what? Chapter 12, verse 21. The exact opposite, right? And it says in Romans 12, 21, Don't let evil conquer you. But conquer evil by doing good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Letter F, pray always. And we see in Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Verse 36 in Matthew 26, it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, What? Sit here while I go over there and pray. Pray always. Letter G, revenge not. Revenge not. Verse 51 to 55, we see here in the story, that one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. And what does he say? Put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father? He will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then will the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. Jesus was a man of peace, not of revenge, not of violence. Revenge, not. And last, letter H, love always. Love always. So if you look at it, 
Uh, every other point is always, always, always. Again, accept gracefully, truth always, bitter never, forgive always, fight evil with good, pray always, revenge not, love always. Why? Because victory, true victory is found in love. Victory is found in love. Verse 50 says, Do what you came for, friend. Then the man stepped forward, seized Jesus, and rested him. Matthew 27, verse 50. It also says, again, it's the same verse, 50, but one chapter later, verse 50 says, And when Jesus had cried again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Everything that we read right here, Matthew 26, verse 50, Matthew 27, verse 50. What we read here in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It is motivated by love and we see in john 3 15 to 21 and this story of for god so loved the world you know i feel like i'm doing a lot of scripture but let's go ahead and read from verse 15 and go all the way to 21 that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's all read together. Ready? One, two, three. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. I'm closing with this last point, point number seven. I'm closing with this. Salvation is now. Salvation is now. Even in betrayal, salvation is here. Even in betrayal, salvation can be attained. It is never too late. It is never too late. Each passing minute is a chance to turn it all around. And I'm copying this quote from a movie that I saw. Vanilla something. Vanilla Sky, I think. No, I don't think it's Vanilla Sky. But each passing minute is a chance for us to turn it all around. Judas, he had thought that it was too late. He thought it was too late. And what a sad ending it was for him. Matthew 27, verse 1 to 10. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, 
for I betray innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hung himself. And what a sad ending of Judas. He had lost his faith. Yes, he felt guilty for what he did, but that was not enough. He went back and tried to give the money back, but that was not enough. He had to go and repent and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then he could have been saved, but for him it was too late. Why? Because he placed himself first. He thought his sins were too great before the cross. I'm here to tell you right now, there's no sin, there's no betrayal that is too great than the love of the cross, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see a similar character in Pharaoh who also hardened his heart. And we see Judas, he had hardened his heart. And Pharaoh, he had hardened his heart. They both hardened their hearts. And they were both too proud. They thought salvation was not for them. Exodus 7.3 tells us, But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. This is God speaking. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. It says in Exodus 7.13, Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he will not listen to them. Just as the Lord has said. And you read this and you think, wow, God, how is this fair? How is it fair for Judas? How is this fair for Pharaoh? You had already hardened his heart. That is not true. God did not harden anyone's heart. They hardened their own heart. God is not a God who is a dictator. He will control your heart. He is a God who gives us free will and a free choice to choose Him or to reject Him. And if you're sitting here today and you continue to live this life rejecting God, your heart will become hardened. No amount of miracle, no amount of prayer, no amount of reading the scripture will not save you if you do not have Christ in your life, if you do not have salvation in your life. Who are you doing this for? Are you doing this for people? Or are you doing this for God? Who are you living for? For Christ or for yourself? Ask yourself that question and answer that question in your heart. We're living in a, such a generation of selfies and self-centeredness. Thinking that I can live forever and my life is I control with my destiny. What a lot of lies from the enemy. Your life belongs to God, to the one who loves you and the one who died for you. Salvation is now. Now. Now is the time of salvation. Today is a day of salvation. Seek the Lord while he may be found today while you're still alive. While you have breath today on 14, 2021, with the daylight savings, on this new Sunday, on this new day, God has given us. Seek His face and humble yourselves that we may be saved. Amen? Embrace the betrayal. 
Embrace it. Expect it. When it comes, be ready. Be ready. Who are we today? Are we a child of God who will humble ourselves and seek His face and find salvation? Or will we be like Judas and Pharaoh? And our hearts will grow hardened to the point of no return. Where are we today, man and woman of God? Where are we today? Where are you, men and women of God? Please close your eyes with me. With our eyes closed, setting aside every distractions right now at this moment. I want us to come honest and real, genuine before God right now and ask God to search your heart, search within. Where are we today, men and women of God? Are we living a life, a life that seeks Him, that pursues after Him, finding salvation that is found in Christ? Are you living a life of pride, self-centeredness, thinking that you're so great that we don't need a Savior? Humble yourselves today and seek His face while He may be found. So right now, with our eyes closed, I want to invite you today in the whispers of your hearts, can we just take a moment to pray to God? Can we pray to Him? Can we seek Him today while He may be found? Let's humble ourselves and be desperate before Him this morning slash afternoon. On 14, 2021, I pray that you will not go backwards. I pray that you will not go backwards. I pray that you will go forward seeking his face humbling yourself and repenting before god can we just come together as a church in the whispers of your voice your own voice can we take a moment to pray and to humble ourselves and to repent before god let's pray together using the opportunity to seek your face and to evangelize to others. Father, we have used the opportunity that you have given us in life for evil, for our own good, for our own selfishness. Lord, help us to deliver our lives for your good, O oh God, for your kingdom and for your righteousness, O oh Lord. Let us use the opportunity that you have given us 
lift up the church not to bring cursing not to bring division oh God use me to be the salt and the light use me to edify the body of Christ not to destroy the body of Christ forgive me oh God for putting myself first before you oh Lord help me to humble myself today teach me your ways that we may walk in your truth God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son the truth is the light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Fear that the light will expose their deeds of evil. But whoever lives by the light, whoever lives by the truth, will live in the truth and will live in the light. So that it may be plainly seen that what they have done has done in the sight of God. Lord, we humble ourselves today we humble ourselves today. We humble ourselves today. Forgive us of our rebellion. Forgive us of our sins. We turn to you with humility and with gratitude. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. Without you, we have no life. We have nothing. But in you and with you, we have everything. We have the life, we have the light, and we have the sun. We have the sun, we have the Spirit, and we have God. We have God, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. We have one, we have everything. So God, thank you for your continuous love and your grace that you pour out every single day. And thank you for the community and the church that we have to seek you and to worship you together. We surrender everything, all that is in our hearts. We lay them at your feet. We pray all these things. 
in your precious son jesus christ and we pray god's people pray amen, amen. and amen